Hello. I hope everybody's doing well out there. Myself, doing better than I deserve, so <laughs> no complaints here in that regards. Uh, my name is Larry Vasquez, and welcome to another iNimate podcast, our 12th podcast actually, our 5th for 2013. And we've got another great lineup tonight with Jason Anestis. This guy has an amazing backlog of feature films under his belt and an amazing uh, demo reel to prove it. And I think it should be a really good show in that regards. He's been working in the industry for probably coming up on here about 20 years, um, all the way back to dinosaurs over at Walt Disney Animation Studios. Uh, he's worked on such movies as Rise of the Guardians, Bolt, Tangled, Kung Fu Panda 2, and uh, Puss in Boots. So I'm going to cut to the chase and let's get him on. Hey, Jason, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Can you I'm, hear me? Yes, absolutely. I just mind. finally figured all this Skype stuff out. So. <laughs> <laughs> really do appreciate you joining us today. I had a chance to quickly check out your reel before jumping on with you here. And I got to tell you, that's a really, really nice reel. I think any animator would love to have something like that. Thanks. I always say, like my father said, you know, even a blind chicken gets feed every once in a while. So <laughs> if you keep at it long enough, you know, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to get there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a great lineup too. And I definitely want to talk about your experience on some of these, but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about your kind of your background? Okay. Um, I'm born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Went to college at Sheridan college there. It was back in the nineties, pretty much only two schools teaching animation. It was Cal arts and and uh, Sheridan College, and I went there, and I did a year of just art, and then I did the 2D program, the, tr the classical traditional animation program, and then I took a uh, CG program there. Back then, it was like, you know, using donated machines on, you know, the SGIs, you know, and, you know, you're working with $30,000 software, old Softimage, you know. You were like, you're going to, you know, it's like more or less like 80 grand to have one animator they're working at a time you know and now you can practically do it on your phone yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh it's amazing how it's changed in 18 years but uh did the uh the cg program with the 2d background and then uh, uh just started sending my reels out you know look like everybody looking for a job you know and disney feature animation was interested in myself and another guy james crossley and we're basically two guys hired to work in Florida and we went to Florida for a little training. And then, uh, I was like, no, Florida's too hot. I need to go to California. <laughs> so they uh, shipped me up to California and I, I was really hired for dinosaur. This is when they were gearing up back in the late nineties. They were really, really trying to break into uh, the CG animation. Now you worked on that one with uh, Jason Ryan, right? I did. I did. I learned, uh, we were, I learned with a lot, actually a couple other teachers, Doug Bennett, who worked, uh, um, trying to think who else, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're old dino crew. It's yeah. funny how <laughs> it was mainly, you know, feature animation people, ILM people and stop motion people that made up dinosaur. I mean, they kind of all just mashed together and, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was great. I learned uh, so much on that. So, and then uh, you went into the TSL, uh, the secret lab, basically got pulled into that because after Dinosaur, they really didn't know what they were going to do. They're kind of like, oh, we have, you know, 500 people that uh, don't have a film to go on to. So it, I got to work with Hoyt Yateman, who uh, was one of the uh, uh, creators of DreamQuest Images, and, and he is a genius. He's really one of the great guys in the business and learned a lot from him and Got to work with uh, many animators, and then 
left to go to Rhythm and Hughes for a bit. Went there for about a year. Uh, you know, had some family trouble. My mother was ill and passed away, so it was just a dark time. But anyway, yeah, I went there, worked on a, a couple films there, and then um, came back, was there for Meet the Robinsons, Bolt, and Tangled, and then went to, uh, to DreamWorks. Very so, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely want to talk about some of the DreamWorks ones as well. But like I said, you've got an amazing list of feature films under your belt. And I definitely want to kind of talk about some of the styles here. How did some of your 2D background play a factor in your CG? That's funny because I probably would not be doing this if it wasn't for a teacher. His name was Charlie Bonifacio back in uh, Sheridan. We had a window. He was, they call him the Canadian Glen Keen. He's just um, Thing. He's a really, really great, amazing instructor. Uh, I think they still watch his old lectures on videotape, like old three-quarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's still bootlegs floating around. and uh, I believe he works at Stars or Arc up in Toronto, though, but amazing 2D guy. And I would not – I, I got to give him a lot of credit because I would not be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for what I learned, just like the principles alone from him. Uh, and then uh, – um, yeah, it, it's the 2D, it's, you know, timing, spacing. It's it's a tool. And the way I look at it, I mean, I'm I'm a terrible draftsman now. I, I gave up when I went to Disney. I, I remember walking in the room a day, uh, uh, like the first day going into life drawing and Eric Goldberg's there and Deja's there and all these legends, you know. And, and they're drawing. They're not even looking at the paper, right? They're drawing. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I put the Conte away and <laughs> went back and just concentrated on the animating on the computer. So That's one of the nice things about CG as well is that it allows people who aren't maybe the best draftsmen but still be able to perform animation, you know, still be able to apply those same principles without having to have that killer draftsmanship. Exactly. I yeah, know I, I struggled and I'm glad I studied it, you know, but there's there's many pencils I broke jamming it into the, the desk. <laughs> over the years. It was just, you know, it, it would I have a, a really big respect for anyone who does 2D or, or stop motion, you know, getting to know the stop motion guys on Dinosaur. I mean, that, that's crazy. I just look at that. I said, that's that's like the, the hardcore of the animation business. <laughs> How does your, your 2D background help you right now, even with uh, maybe your workflow in the CG? Does that, do you still use some of that? I know with Jason, he typically will do even a, a 2D pass, kind of jotting down his thoughts and stuff like that. Do you approach it that same way, or do you do strictly with thumbnails, or don't even touch any of that? Uh, you know, recently working at uh, uh, DreamWorks, it seems to be the, the business is kind of going a lot of live action reference right now. Uh, that is kind of almost your first pass. You're literally just showing live action reference, and then the the director will look at it and go, "Yeah, I, yeah, I see where you're going to go with this." And okay, and then you try to use that and get it into your animation. Uh, my 2D background is great for stuff like Meet the Robinsons, and you know, definitely stuff that's more cartoony. Uh, when I was working on Peabody and Sherman. It's kind of somewhere between dragons and like Meet the Robinsons, where it's cart. They want it to be cartoony, but they still want the subtlety and you know, um, if that makes any sense. No, that's great. Um, so, okay, for example, you get a shot. What, what would you typically start out with? You'd shoot live action reference then, and then what would you do from there? Well, I kind of come from the old school 
uh, page from these 2D guys of, uh, I learned a lot from Disney and is uh, I kind of not try not to just jump into it right away. I know the schedules now working in a studio, you don't have that luxury, that time. But for me, it's really just about stepping away and actually thinking about what you're going to do. Thinking about analyzing what you're going to do. What is the main intent of this scene? What do I need to do? What does the director want? Um, what is the subtext of the scene? What is really what is the character thinking? Is he reacting? Is he you know what? And, and I kind of try to let that stew for at least a couple hours, you know, at least for half a day if I can have that opportunity. If it's something really big, I won't even do that. And I'll, and I usually go around and talk to other animators because I, I I'm an old sayer in the in the sense that. You know, not everybody has the answers for stuff. To me, I, I still, from the old days in school where we just shared our work and we just bounced us off with a lot of people, I think animation gets really good when it's communal, when you, when you work as a team. Because you may not have the answer, but I guarantee you out of that room of 30 animators and the Hokas and all the, you know, the director, someone's going to have an interesting idea. Right. And even if it's something that isn't the final answer, it might be something that provokes you to maybe think in a different direction than you maybe were Absolutely. before. There was a shot, you know, to talk about on Guardians, we're watching, there's a shot where uh, North, he's talking to Jack and he goes, oh, oh, you're on the naughty list. You hold the record. But we wipe the slate clean. He does this. And I think it was uh, one of our TDs, you know, in the back of the room was like, you know, he's doing, ah, he does his arm move, ah, wipe the slate clean. And then he goes, you know, he's got the tattoo on his arm, naughty nice. And he goes, why don't you just brush the, you know, the naughty, like, ah, we're going to clean it. And everybody in the room was like, oh, that's brilliant. That's a brilliant idea. And it's in the movie, you know. Very uh, cool. It was, it's one of those things where I love it. When that happens, it is, it is fantastic when you get that community going. Now, when you worked on Guardians, we've been able to interview Alexis Winteroy, Tal Schwartzman, uh, Ben Willis, and Jacob Garner that has worked on those ones as well. Was there a particular character that you were with? Uh, I was never really assigned to characters. Myself and some others were kind of floaters on that. So, um, But I did do... Uh, a lot of the kids, I kind of worked with uh, um, Anthony Gray, who's wonderful. He's a wonderful supervisor there. Uh, um, and I did some of the kids stuff, especially like the the snowball fight. It was like, you know, I've kind of, I, I feel like I've kind of been, not pigeonhole, but I, I'm kind of like the heavy lifter. <laughs> These animations, where it's like, okay, here's eight characters running down a hill, go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, <laughs> let's let's make this work, you know, so... <laughs> And, you know, I remember on Tangled, they're like, okay, there's three sets of two guys juggling flamethrowers or flames. And then the guys on the Flynn's on this tube rolling along. And, and I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I tend to, to do that kind of stuff. So, but I, I my, probably my, the, the most fun I had was doing some of the elf stuff. I thought the elf stuff was really fun. So on your demo reel, it showed that that looked like a lot of fun. What were some of the areas of that that you really enjoyed working with the elves? Well, I, the way they handled it, the way uh, Peter was always selling it, is that they're not cute like the um, the minions in like Despicable Me. You know, they're really like these little annoying feral type creatures. That's what he always explained it. He explained it as like, yeah, they're kind of like just a bunch of wild cats running around. <laughs> nice. And they're always on your feet, and they don't really help and. So, especially at the beginning, they really 
you know, you're trying to find that right balance. So, but with the, um, you know, I got to do the shot where he, like, no music, and he pushes the one elf out of the way, and and that was really, that was actually Dave Pate, one of the supervisors, was like, you know, maybe you should just push him out. And I go, oh, that's a brilliant idea. And then we we implied that, and yeah, it worked great. Nice. Okay, I've got two questions here. My original question was, how is it adjusting from styles of movie one from another, but now that you mentioned here that you were kind of a floater on Rise of the Guardians, how was it for you working on a show like that where you're going from character to character? Having talked with like Ben and Jacob, they mentioned being on a specific character. It kind of was able to ground them in that character. Did you feel like that was a challenge for you, or how did you approach some of that kind of stuff when you're going from a character to a character? Uh, it's a, definitely a challenge. Um, I think it's it's a double-edged sword in the sense that you get um, – you know, you get to touch a lot of characters. I remember when I worked on Dinosaurs, like my first real film, and I was on the Aladar, the main character. And that's when I realized I hated main characters because they're so boring and they're just, you know, you're doing, you get so good at the character. Like at the end, you're just like, you can animate with your eyes closed practically, you know. But uh, um, it, it, to me, it just got like a little redundant. And after that, I started wanting to do a little more of the B characters because you tend to they tend to be a little more uh, open to suggestions on that, to give them more. They're a little more out there in style and and you know um, a little more variety in that, huh? Yeah, um, but it is difficult in the sense that you have to look at every character. It's like this is this character hitting what it should be. Is he is North looking like North? Is Bunny looking like Bunny? Is Sandman moving like that? So. Uh, like he should be it, it gets it gets tricky what would you typically do to kind of solve that uh you just watch a lot of what other people are doing and you talk to them and i go you go to your supervisors and you get oh no do this and do that and uh, that guardians was a, was difficult in the sense that there's just the character count on that film was high and they're all very distinctive characters so, uh, but the, the leadership was great. Uh, Peter, the director was wonderful and very, uh, open, but yet, you know, very specific about what he wanted to at the same time. And it was, it was a lot of hard work, but, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty rewarding. I, I, I had a good time. <laughs> Some other people, maybe not, but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the movie. So it's neat that you had a chance to work on that. Now, so how do you approach, um, because I know even talking to some of the guys from DreamWorks where they may be on a show for months or whatever and then they have to jump to a new show that might have a completely different style. Do you approach it the same way as we talked about from character to character within a show? Yeah, you kind of – DreamWorks is really great. When I went from Guardians to Peabody, which is done up at PDI up north, we had a small team down in Glendale. Uh, they have a – tremendous amount of resources online so they have lectures on here's how to you know we like the way the eyes look on when you do do this don't do that basically uh do's and you know tips and tricks and and uh, uh great character packages when you look at work at a large studio usually you get a uh a, a package you know of art and background on the particular character you watch what's being done you watch some of the tests that are being done and you kind of try to wrap your mind around it uh Usually very fast, <laughs> like you hit the ground running. So, like your first scene, you're like, okay, go. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I had a bunch of flying stuff. I did a bunch of the sequence in uh, uh, on Peabody. There's a Michelangelo's glider, and they're flying all over uh, Renaissance uh, Italy. And um, it, you, you're just really just okay. Let's see how Peabody. He's they have these massive heads and little bodies, you know. 
uh, very appealing, though, I have to say. It's some of the most appealing stuff uh, DreamWorks has done. So basically, you have an opportunity to really kind of have a library to really research these characters before you jump onto a new project or, or shot. Yeah, if you're if you're lucky, if you get on the if you get in the film early, there isn't anything, so you're defining it. I, I enjoy that too. Uh, I actually probably enjoy that more when you don't know what the character is. Yeah, Alexis Winterroy mentioned that he was able to do that with Tooth. So. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, everybody has kind of an idea, but usually, like early on, it's kind of open for grabs, I guess. So I remember I uh, on Tangled and. We're doing these early tests with the rigs and everything, and I did a test uh, with Flynn, the main character, and I always pictured him as this kind of suave, hitting on women all the time. Kind of. So we had this bar, and I just put him on the bar, and he went to lean on the bar, and he's like, hi, you know, talking to the camera, and he just misses the bar completely and slides off the bar and goes out of the frame, and he comes back in, and and people loved it because they were like, yeah, that's that's him. He's kind of like this bumbling – he's really suave, but he's really – uh, this is kind of a mask from who he really is. Yeah, trying to get a little subtext. It's, it was kind of like uh, you know um, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow from from uh, Pirates. A little bit of that, where there's this comical. You know, he's lovable, but he's he's a, a scoundrel. Yeah. <laughs> now, how was it working on Tangled with Glenn Keen and kind of heading some of that stuff up there? Yeah, now that <laughs> Tangled. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, this is podcasted. Uh, <laughs> it needs to be, uh, I guess, politically correct. I, I, it, w- it was pretty rough, I guess to say, mainly because of the schedule. The schedule was really, really accelerated. I mean, we animated that film, I think, in six months. Man, that's or insane. Normally it takes a year, you know, or a little less. Uh, and, you know... There was a lot of leadership on it. I mean, that tends to be the thing. I mean, I, this, I, I like film when this leadership's the smallest because there's just less, uh, less chefs in the kitchen. You know, that's, that's a big thing that you, you learn being at a big studio is, you know, Guardians had a lot of chefs in the kitchen uh, uh, and, and so did uh, Tangled. And there was just a lot of uh, attention at these two movies because they were very epic and feel and, you know, and look and they're trying to do something different. And, uh, but Tangle, working with Glenn was amazing, I have to say. He is one of the best of the best. I I remember I did a shot. It's actually on my reel um, where he runs up this tree and he swings around this tree and he knocks his uh, guard off the horse and lands on the horse. And so I'm just trying to make that work in 3D and I'm blocking it out. And then, uh, you know, and I go to Glenn. It's the first time I've actually really sat down with him and, he had a couple hours a day where you, uh, any artist you know, or any animator can go in and show him stuff, and he could just draw over it. They had a really nice draw system there. And I sat down with him, and I explained to him, you know, I got it working. It's The mechanics are working, but I'm like, it's not the performance. is not there. It's like it's missing something. And I explained to him, well, I want to do a little, you know, again, of Jack Sparrow kind of out of control as he swings. And, and he sat down, and he just started drawing. And he's drawing for about half an hour, just drawing over my – my screen grafter, he's going, he's going. And I think he erased two drawings out of that. He just kept going, animating little pixels. And never played it back. And at the end, he goes, okay, let's see what we got. And he hits play. And I, my jaw hit the ground. I was just, I was, at that point, I was, I was praying to the, 
the king god at, at that point. I mean, he he is he, <laughs> the legends are true with Glenn. He's really phenomenal. I, I've got I've been very very lucky to work with really really talented people over the year. That's fantastic. So, what was it that from the shot that he did versus what you were doing that kind of gave it to what was it on the final screen there? Oh, it's just there's so many things. I mean, he, you know, I was trying to get him to. Tr- he was out of control, so he did this one leg swing, and then we added some leg pumps in there, like he's kind of like doing the running man in the air, you know, to to turn his momentum. And there's just things that Glenn is the king of the uh, appealability. He just makes things so appealing. I mean, he's not at Disney anymore, but if you look at what Disney's doing from Tangled on. Their characters are just so much more appealing. I think he really gave his legacy. His last thing he gave Disney was how to do human characters appealing, especially facially. I mean, you look at Rapunzel, you look at Flynn. These are are very appealing characters. And I heard uh, uh, from what my wife tells me, she still works at Disney. The next one, Frozen, is very appealing too. I thought uh, Rekka Ralph is very appealing. There's just there's just there's just a language and and. It was it wasn't easy getting there. I mean, Glenn, they we pretty much didn't nail down Rapunzel to about a third of the way through animation. For the first, I don't know, two three months, we were animating, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, we're changing the whole her design and everything," and you would actually go back and have to fix. You know, it's my thing is it's always easier to animate twice. <laughs> it's like sometimes <laughs> easier. Being in CG, for whatever reason, you lose uh, your scene crashes or something's corrupted. You're like, ah, it's easier to do it the next time. You know? <laughs> I already know what I want to do now, right? Yeah, I've already done it. So I'll just remember. <laughs> it usually it's better kind of thing. So, uh, I mean, talking about Glenn, too, and I, I, there's another story with him. It's just awesome where um, he gave us this, this talk about, uh, I guess there was a pottery class. And he found, he read an article or something. He told us the whole animation department. He's like, their assignment was uh, half the class got, you know, three months to do one potter. Do it as best you can. This one uh, a vase or vase, whatever you call it. The other ones, yeah. And then the other, the other half had to do one a day. They had to do one a day. That's all you had the time. So half the class had the, like three months to do one. The other ones, you had to do one a day. And he's like, you, the people that did one a day end up doing such better uh, vases at the end because you're just refining your technique you're refining your your, your skill like if you spend all your time it's like that's why we do gesture drawings you know you really try to boil it down to uh, a very simple uh, uh, you know silhouette all that stuff I mean that's what I really learned from 2D you know is like uh, you know trying to make that something appealing you know, we can all match live action reference and that's great, but then you want to cheat it and you want to change it and you want to you want to squeeze it into this, these these principles. That's great. When we had the podcast with Jacob and Ben, one of the things I think Jacob had mentioned was particularly for for students was to be able to leave their shots and to not to return back to them now that you've got more skills and but it was that again, it was that process of continuing from blocking to polish. And it was the idea of continuing those, even if they're smaller, you, you leave them behind. And it's just that idea of perfecting that craft versus spending a lot of time on one shot where you're not getting that whole process in. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's basically what's what Glenn was summing up. It's like it's better just to just to bang on it and just tr- just do it over and over and over, you know, try different things. Then, I mean, of course, you want to 
you know, for, especially for students, if there's something that's really working, you know, you might want to spend, you know, an extra, you know, week or something like that on to really polish it and get it right for the demo reel. But uh, uh, I find, you know, the more you work at something, the better you get at it. You know, that's why we get there. <laughs> yep. Very cool. Great tip. How was the, cause since you were there at Disney from Meet the Robinsons to Bolt to Tangled, how was the process of those movies from one to the other? It seemed like they were kind of building on, I, I really liked Bolt. I thought it was a great movie. Obviously it was, I didn't think maybe quite as good as Tangled, but you can see the progression of getting better and better there from at Disney. Having worked on those three particularly, how did you feel like the progress was as a company and animation now jumping into CG? It's funny. Uh, usually the films that people really, really like a lot were the biggest pain in the butts to work on. <laughs> <laughs> Very rarely do you get to work on something that you really, really enjoy. And it's this really, I think like uh, Iron Giant's one of them, you know, uh, How to Train Your Dragon. There's few films where you're like, that was an awesome experience. And it was received and it raised the bar for whatever reason. Usually, so Meet the Robins for me was an amazing experience. I got to do a lot of the Bowler Hat Guy stuff. I got to soup a character on that. And then when they bought Pixar, Ed and John became our bosses about the end of Meet the Robinsons. But it was too late to really change Meet the Robinsons. So they changed a little bit. But Bolt was really the film where they're like, okay, now you guys got to really start thinking about making appealing, likable characters, you know. Meet the Robinsons was also limited in the sense that they used this older broken rig where everything is IK, including the hips and the chest and the head. Like, you don't just move the hips and then the arms are FK. and they, they, Everything was IK. So you literally, it was like hurting cats. You had to, like, <laughs> move the hips. And then you hit a snap button that would snap the chest. And then, then you would move that into position. You hit another snap button that moved the head. And then you'd use that for the arms. And it was insane. Was it easy so, to get a character off model then? Oh, yeah, because the, you know, the chest and the, the hips would just be moving independently because <laughs> now the, they're not connected, you know. Looking back at it, it's, it was insane. I can't believe it would be like that. I, and it made sense for Chicken Little because they're very cartoony rigs and, you know, and but doing humans, especially, you know, human kids, it, it was like Bowler Hat Guy was very tricky to do. But, uh, you know, get back to the, the, the question is, is um, yeah, it was just about just making it better, I guess, on bolts. So we broke off into teams. Like we had these Paloozas. So there was a Rhino Palooza for the Rhino character. There was a Bolt Palooza. There was a Mittens Palooza. You know, we started production, and the characters just weren't, especially with, for Rhino. I got I got pulled on the Rhino to help out uh, Clay, Cadis on that. Uh, um, and it was like there was things where like, when he stood up, it just he was ugly. You had and and I remember telling Clay, I go, we got we got to fix this. Because we were just starting production, I go. This will be hard to do in this film, and and sure enough, he pulled the he pulled the grenade pin, and and we we stopped on that, and and we and that was the most fun I had on that film. I really enjoy kind of working together with other people as a team to really iron out the problems and in a creative way to make the lives of the animators easier, so they get a good performance out. So right, feeling like part of the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's kind of the Pixar philosophy. Everybody wondered what is what is Pixar's mojo. What is what is the thing? The funny thing is, you realize that they're just as uh, they're stabbing in the wind just as much as anybody else is. <laughs> like it really is in a very organic kind of chaotic uh, uh, process to make a film. I mean, yeah, there is a pipeline you follow, but you just don't know where it's going to go. 
most of the time. You don't know where these where these films are going to end up. I've seen so many pitches that were great, and the film at the end of the film was like meh. Or you see pitches that were like meh, and these films turn out to be great. You just don't know along the road, and that's the great thing about it. And at Disney, it was much smaller than say DreamWorks. So we really just I really enjoyed working with the modeler to get the face shapes right. Uh, um, Clay gave me um, responsibility of his ball. So we came up with some interesting ways to make the, his ball work and, you know, how he would rotate in the ball. We plant his hands inside there. So he had a snap button. So anywhere his hands were, it would stay in the ball. And, and you know, it's stuff, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in like, yeah, I'm artsy-fartsy in the sense that with one side of the brain, but I also like using my logical side of the brain. I think that's kind of why I like CG because you're kind of using your both, your logical side to solve problems. But you're also, I mean, I'll always be the, an animator first and foremost, but I also believe if the more technical kind of stuff, you know, the, the faster, more efficient you can be. Kind of gives you that more open road for your artistic ability. Yeah. Well, you're kind of like, instead of in a pipe, you know, if something's broken on a rig, for instance, you call up the TD and the TD, or you send a JIRA and ticket like a DreamWorks and send off an email and then they would go off and try to, you know, uh, uh, fix it. And you wouldn't hear anything for a while. And it's like, Disney was a little more like, ah, I think I could fix this myself. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. And, and you know, it, it was, it was great. I mean, Bolt was, I really enjoyed, uh, doing that, working with the modelers, even the, the designer, uh, surfacer came up with some really interesting stuff. And for me, that's, that's, a great reward and then seeing what the artists do with it it's just even better you know you're like wow that shot looks i mean rhino went from a great, good character to a great character oh absolutely that's what i was saying when i was watching your uh reel before we jumped on here i literally laughed out loud and my boys are like what and i was telling them that you worked on this shot here and it's the one where he says uh where bolts looking at him and says you know you opened up the lock or whatever and he says yes i did yoink <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he was just a great, great character, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, the voice was one of the story guys, uh, Mark Walden. And uh, there's an interesting backstory for him, which is great, is uh, he was a temp voice. He's, he's a he's – a, 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 I, I like Mark a lot. He's a little eccentric, a little quirky, you know, really, really, uh, really kind of out there a little bit. <laughs> but he was – he does great voices, and he did the temp voice for that. And – uh they kept trying to find, you know, a celebrity voice to do it. And they kept trying and trying. And, and then it, you, you just realize that there's no one who's going to be as good as Mark Walden and uh, uh, Walton. Sorry. And uh, he it, uh, the funny thing is they just decided to, to give him that. And then they he's such a fan, like he just loves animation. And and, he's already, and they were, I guess they were down in the story area and they go, oh, we got to do some new lines. So we got to do some rereads. So he's down there in the recording area and he's doing that. And, and they wrote on there, it's like, oh, Mark Walden is going to be the voice of Rhino. So he's reading it all along. He's doing, oh, how bold? Let's go this place. And he gets to his line. He reads it. And he's like, are you guys serious? And they're like, yeah, you're the voice. And he flipped out. He just like starts screaming. <laughs> When you see Rhino, especially the boards, practically animates itself. That character is so defined with the voice and the drawings were great. Like that particular shot you're saying, you know, the boink. Uh, um, I think Byron boarded at one of the directors and uh, uh, there was a drawing and I just kind of more or less matched the, that one-legged thing. It's something where your 2D background comes in. Like you might have done it differently. If you acted it out, you would have never put one leg up and done that kind of thing. It's just was a funny drawing and let's try to make it work 
in CG, and and uh, I guess it was uh, successful. That's so. awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that we had a podcast with uh, Samantha Youssef and kind of talking about that. 2D heritage and how that still plays a heavy role in CG, even though that's the main part of the field now with animation is being CG, but being able to glean a lot of that 2D heritage, like you're saying, that was someone sketched that out and that was because yeah. where their mind was at. You, you know, had you done a live action reference, it might have gone a little bit different. Well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, everybody wonders why, you know, uh, uh, Tangle looks so, it looks so much like the old Disney stuff, like the golden time, you know, like, and it's like, yeah, because Glenn drew over everybody's scene at least once in dailies. Like you got to witness his brilliance. Like the two directors would be talking and, and he would be looking back and drawing on Cintiq over your your scene. And he I mean, he drew over everybody's scenes at least once. At least sometimes several times. No matter away with it. Huh? Well, it's just because he's he know he understands appealability so well. He can take just the pose, which is solid. And just add, you know, shift the hips a little this way, shift the chest a little bit this way, cock the head this way, and it just it just sings like it, it's it's amazing. He was it was such a pleasure to work, considering the film was very difficult to work on. Sitting in dailies with Glenn was was uh, it was like witnessing, you know, uh, of uh, creation, know. huh? Yeah. That's awesome. So now, how was the transition from Disney over to DreamWorks? Was it a big transition or within the style or the atmosphere of the studio? Well, first off, they used the proprietary software. So on a technical level, it was like I had a lot of friends that uh, left Disney to go to DreamWorks. And they were like, yeah, it's emo. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because I, I, I used uh, proprietary software on uh, uh, Rhythm and Hughes is one of the other. I think there's only two studios now that use proprietary software. It's Rhythm and Hughes and, and uh, DreamWorks. But uh, I'm one of the few that actually liked it. Um, it was just so tailored to animation. It's, it felt very 95. I mean, it's gooey and everything. Like You're like, wow, this is like... I'm using something very old, but uh, but it was to me uh, the curve editor was wonderful. Uh, the way they set up the rigs were very standardized. Where Disney kept uh, revamping the rigs for many years after film, they kept like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I was a little, uh, you know, instead of taking what works and using in the next one, they they kind of just well let's try this, well let's try that. Reinvent the wheel, huh? Yeah, a lot of reinventing the wheel. I think they now they figured out okay, yeah, now this pretty much gives us everything we can. So I was I was impressed with the the rigs and and the software at DreamWorks. The thing that surprised me the most going to DreamWorks was they have such amazing two D artists there too. Christoph Saran, they have um, James Baxter, another legend I got to work with uh, very shortly. Uh, all all these Rudolph, I mean, these guys are phenomenal. 2D animators, the best in the world. The thing is, though, they don't really use them the way they do at like Disney. There's a Cintiq that anybody can draw over a scene, and the instant you lay down your pen at Disney, it's saved off into a file, and you can actually just load the drawings or just load the, you know, comp them together. Where I found uh, DreamWorks is very uh, live action reference uh, heavy. They're very heavy into that. Um, which for me, it's good, but I think, you know, I have these talks to all my friend, animator friends is I, I think it kind of paints you in a box in the sense that some people 
maybe follow it a little too much. And it, it kind of stifles creativity sometimes or spontaneity. Like one of the best CG animators I work with uh, is Tony Smead. He's an old friend of mine. Um, we worked together on Dinosaur. He did Rapunzel and everything. He's a phenomenal animator. But his method is he has a giant full-size mirror. He'll act it out, take a lot of notes, do little thumbnails, maybe videotape himself. But then he throws it out. He watches it and does all this stuff. He throws it out and then <laughs> starts animating. Because he's got a blueprint. He knows what he wants to do. But he finds that. And you can see it in his work. I mean, his work is just... It is. It is. Well, any monster shot on on Tangle that's with her. That's just like when she first climbs down uh, onto the grass. You know, when she's singing this song and she's going around. That's all Tony's stuff. Uh, it's the part where he's interrogating him in the chair. He's big long shot going around. It's it's just so fresh and it's not cliche. It's it's not derivative. And I think that's like the ultimate animator. I always want to get to his level and do that. <laughs> I find live action is great, especially when you're learning, you know, but it does, I've, I've gone back and forth with it throughout my career. There are some films I used it a lot and other films I just, I said, no, I'm not using it for, for, because it just, this is more of a 2D kind of spacing, the way things, we got to really think about the shape and how things are going, so. It is. It's sometimes it's difficult to not want to be married to your reference and be able to use it as just that jumping off point. You know, I, I won't lie. It's been a crutch for me at certain points. You know? <laughs> it, especially the, when you just get on a film. I mean, Guardians was very, they wanted a very natural kind of movement, very subdued, very uh, uh, subtle kind of animation, you know. Uh, it was really, you know, almost like a golem. I mean, it's not mo-cappy, but it's just, let's tone this down and, you know, uh, um, I'm more of a cartoon. I'm, I'm old school. I'm like Jason Ryan. I, I you know. If you're gonna animate it, let's animate it. You want a mocap and mocap it, but let's really let's let's amp it up. And I mean, if there's any, and this is only a personal feeling, I, I think Guardians could have been pushed a little bit more. But that's just my personal preference and my thing. It's still a very beautiful film, and and, and uh, the stuff that uh, Paid and and Ben and Jacob and those guys did with 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 Jack, I was some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Mm. You can see where reference definitely has its place. Because I noticed Jason will sometimes shoot, shoot reference, but it's only for uh, little nuggets that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's that that nice balance of using it without being married to it. Yeah, I mean, there I I will advise everyone to at least videotape one of their scenes and or they're, they, what they're going to start at least videotape and take a look because uh, there's so many times I'm like, oh look, I'm doing this little foot shuttle. And it'll scuffle back and forth, or I'm shifting my weight this way before I go this. Oh, look, I did this weird thing with my hands. The problem with me is I'm a crappy actor. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I got, I got a face for radio. That's what I say. So, you know, no one's going to pay to see me on a screen. So, and I'm just not a good actor. It's just, I, I actually prefer to get other people to act my stuff out because they're just a little more fresh. Like Michael Kiley was, uh, I know he's an instructor too, and uh, we worked together on Meet the Robinsons. And we basically videotaped each other's doing our, our shots, like the bowler hat guy. And I had so much fun because I go in and I do my thing and you kind of just, it's a problem as an actor, you're trying to do something different, you know, as an, being an animator, it's different from being an, like a screen actor. It's, you know, it's all about emotion for them and it's about being in a place and they don't really think about spacing and that kind of thing. That's, that's what we do. Um, and we only concentrate on one little nugget of a scene where they, they're concentrating on the whole sequence. You know, working with uh, Michael, I would do my scene and then 
he would come and he'd do something completely different, but I'd be like, that's better, you know, or, or maybe I'll take a little of that and a little of that and we'll combine them. I kind of call it like DJing. We kind of find all our, cause I'm a, I actually like DJing too on the side. We do oh, awesome. But, you know, we're, we, we find snippets that we like and we try to put them together to make something interesting to get a reaction out of someone. So I find sometimes you can Frankenstein a scene where you get a bunch of this or that and the other thing. And then, and you put it together and it just works. Other times it's a nightmare. And you <laughs> start over. <laughs> it looks like Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Now I was looking at your bio. You also did at Disney, the trainee program. You were a mentor there, right? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, that was on bolt. Cause, uh, when I started at Disney on the hunchback, I started there. They gave us the cool thing about Disney with their history of the studio. They've had this mentor program since the nine old men. These guys were basically the mentors for the studio. I mean, I, I was taught by people, uh, you know, like John Rippa. Uh, I got to work with him closely on uh, um, on uh, Meet the Robinsons, and he was taught by Glenn Keane and James Baxter. Nice. And he would dust off notes from James Baxter from, you know, Beauty and the Beast working on Bell and everything. And you're like, it, it was like, it, it was great in the sense that, you know, I, you, Animation, it's something that you, I think you have a kind of a natural talent for, but a lot of it is like, you're just learning the craft from, from, from seasoned veterans. You know, you learn, you know, try this, drag the jaw just a couple frames. I remember working with Nick Rinari on Meet the Robinsons and he goes, oh, this sucks great. He goes right here, two frames, just draw, drag the jaw down. So it's stretching as his head comes up. And I'm like, I would have never thought of that. Wouldn't be in my live action reference, but you have someone that who just really understands animation and been doing it for you know twenty years. That's the nice part with iAnimate being a set of workshops and having professionals like you guys who are teaching this because you know we've had people ask you know do you get uh, what do they call it a, a diploma, diploma or something. right? Thank you. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and we we give certificates for completion here, but. Jason's mentioned multiple times at the end of the day, that piece of paper doesn't mean a whole lot. They want to be able to see, can you perform what they're looking to hire you for? Well, there, there, there's an old saying, like the only time they ask for your diploma is when you start effing up. Yeah. <laughs> when you start screwing up, <laughs> they go, are you sure you graduated from Sheridan? Let me see that. You know, like it's, that's the only, no one ever asked for a diploma. It's, we are all hired by our work. You know, it's our portfolios, our demo reels. That's the, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, no one, you know, and I, that's why I think stuff like I wish that I animate was where I had that back when I went to, to school. I mean, Charlie Bonifacio, getting back to him, and he was the one teacher. But, you know, a lot of these, a lot of my teachers were, ah, uh, yeah, you know, looking back at it, you're like, wow, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, we've had uh, Tall Schwartzman who mentioned that as well because he went to Sheridan, but he was saying a lot of the great animators were actually in the studios, you know? And so that's where the neat part with you guys being able to be a part of the studios, but also now be instructors here. Tal didn't have a, he didn't have a Charlie, so he was always jealous. He was telling, oh man, you have only two years off. If I was two <laughs> years, I would have had him. And yeah, but he... I remember Charlie, you know, doing 2D and you're working on a skip jump. He's just skipping a rope and he would take the drawings and he'd, and he'd flip it and he'd flip it again. And then he'd flip it the third time, stop it, pull a drawing out. He had his big black china mark. He'd go, make two lines, 
stick it back in. He'd flip it one more time and he'd give it to you. And you'd be like, how did you do that? That was magic. <laughs> I just witnessed the magic trick. Yeah. Uh, and it's stuff like that. I mean, that you really, you won't learn it from a book. It's really working with industry professionals that really you will, you will grow as an animal. And it's really about just, you know, showing it to, to other people. Like the old saying, it's like the only way to get good at tennis is to play with someone better than you. You don't want to be the best in a small pool. You want to you want to work with these people that just know their know their stuff. I've been very very fortunate over the years to have that opportunity, and a lot of it's just luck, <laughs> just being in the right place <laughs> at the right time, talking the right stuff. You know. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, now Jason's mentioned you've got some killer body mechanics. I said, okay, we're going to do this podcast with you. What are some of the areas that he's particularly good at? And he mentioned body mechanics, no doubt, and that's what you'll be teaching this May block coming up. Now, and that's kind of what I brought up in regards to your teaching background with uh, at Walt Disney doing the trainee program. What are some of the stuff you're looking forward to teaching here at IAMI? Well, I've always liked body mechanics. It's, it's, it's funny. Uh, all the years for Disney, I did a lot of physical animation, you know, a lot of craziness in that sense. And then I get onto tangles like, oh, I really want to do that neat, that really emotional eyebrows pulsing and all that stuff. And I finally did it like 15 years later. I finally do it in the business. And then I'm like, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't really like it that much. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's a lot of it's like, no, purse the lips a little bit. I mean, it's, it, it's fun, but I prefer to have, oh, you want the character to leave the scene, spin around three times. And then leave the scene in what, 18 frames? Oh, okay. And you just figure it out. And you want to take the physical aspect of it. You want to make sure that your weight's there. Weights are always very important. Uh, uh, Silhouettes, very important. Timing, spacing is very important. I mean, um, when when you're talking body mechanics, it's, it's something, you know, Animation's kind of corrupted me in the sense that I cannot – I don't look at, like, people the same way anymore. <laughs> it's, like I, I, it's like I'm always hitting record and I, I have a little six-year-old daughter and I'm, I'm hitting record all the time because I'm just watching the way she walks and mm-hmm. the way she handles herself. And the characteristics, I'm trying to think in my head, like, what makes my daughter her, like, her movement? She doesn't say a word. Just, it's, it's that old saying where you can, you can see your friend – you know, half a mile down the street in the middle of the night, just seeing his silhouette, you know, oh, that's Joe or that's Bill. Or it's like I can know my daughter, her run at school when she runs towards me. I know if I was to close my eye, like squint, I knew I know exactly it's her. And mm-hmm. just by these little movements that she does, you know, this little, oh, she shifts, shifts her weight this much when she walks or. I think kids are great for that because sometimes you almost got to have to think, okay, what were they thinking when they actually did that? Because yeah. they're so it's so different or goofy, so to speak, than yes. than adults yeah. would do. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, there's there's such an honesty to them, you know, and there's there's such a uh, there's like an old filter thing in their brain. They're not conscious of what they're doing, kind of thing. They just do it, especially at this age, and it's just so fun to watch them just go you know if they're if they're sad they just do the whole body oh i'm sad like, oh. it's like a living cartoon character you know when they're angry they stomp their feet and they go oh and they storm out the room you know and you're like i'm living with a text Avery cartoon <laughs> yeah. yeah whereas adults we, we 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 forget how to play we forget you know we're too self-conscious we're too um you know, we're too, we're watching, you know, we're worried about what other people think. That's, yeah, I think that's probably more it. Maybe if we do remember how to play, we're a little more too self-conscious, you know? 
Yeah. And that's the beauty. I love animation because it is at the end of the day, we're making this for all audiences, but um, it, it's, it's play. Uh, my thing is, and I've been told this by some of the greats is like, you know, have fun. That's the biggest thing that kind of gets lost in animation. I find is so many times the pressure of everything and working in a studio all comes down on you and everything. It's, it's sometimes it, you forget like, you know, have fun. Cause if you're not having fun, it won't. You won't see it in the work. If you're just going through the motions and moving it, it's not. It's not there. There's something about I, I, Glenn when he starts drawing. He gets into it. His body's all contorted and bent over, and he's grunting like. Rawr, rawr. It's like watching a, a, a big gorilla anime. <laughs> so into it, you know, and like, and like a child, and it's, and he's yeah. You really want to push the shoulders this way, and really want to feel the force go this way, and you're getting excited. Like I've, you're so excited to do these notes, you rush back to your desk and you do them. And kind of remember why you like animation, huh? Yeah, yeah, it it is. It's because it's a tremendous amount of work. I mean, I've seen so many people not make it in the business because they're like, oh well. You think? I mean, I kind of went from two D to CG in school, and I, I mean, the first day they like you put the cube here and then you put the cube in the bottom, and then you hit play and it goes woo and it moves. You just laid two keys and you're like, oh, there's no in between. This is great. I, but then you get a rig, and then you realize I have to animate everything. And yeah. then, but to me, it still is the easiest of the dip, disciplines, you know, of the comedians out there. Uh, it's different. It's just all tools at the end. So, but like body mechanics, um, yeah, I've always really enjoyed that part of animation. I've always really, you build this library, this, this unconscious voice in your head, and you kind of just as you're animating like oh, i'm gonna do this and how does that look? Oh, it looks a little off and oh i want to do that. like it, it just there's this voice in your head that's always going to tell you and you and you build that over years and it took me you know many many years to like trust your instincts and and go with go with your gut and you look at something and you go okay yeah now how can i make that better or how can i make that stronger yeah. do you feel that's difficult to do like what you just said is just trust your gut to be able to kind of let go and just do it you know I mean, it depends on the film. I mean, Tangle was not trust your gut. <laughs> you would show something like, no. You know, I mean, we, we just, when, you, when you end up doing something two, three, four times over again, you kind of don't trust your gut at that point. And then it get, you get in a bad place of the sense like all you're thinking about, every key you lay, you're like, are they going to like this? Are they going to like this? I mean, we are, as, as, a, as a breed of artists, we are very um, – we're self-deprecating or something. I mean, we're, we're really hard on ourselves. Right, right. Very, very hard. Wait, we really just beat ourselves up way more than anybody else. An actor would go, screw you, I quit, and they'd storm off the set. And like, we're like, oh, no, sir, thank you, sir. More notes, sir. I will do that. <laughs> yes, I will go right back to my desk right now. I won't go, I won't go to the bathroom. I'll, I'm going to I'll pee in a cup. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I asked that question because sometimes I've noticed for myself it, it's difficult to kind of – feel loose enough to be able to just do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and I've worked with many talented animators, like especially in college, you're like, but they, they're so talented that you, you got to understand like the, the thing with two, working in the studio and working in the industry is that you, you know, it isn't your idea. You have to, uh, you want to take your, you want to take your, your 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 experiences in life and you want to put your spin on it, but you got to realize your job, your number one job is to give the director what he wants. 
Your job isn't to come up with some groundbreaking animation or anything like that. I mean, so sometimes you get a scene and you're like, oh, I want to do this, but the director wants something, just a simple head turn. That's all he wants, you know? Uh, so I've worked with so many people that were talented like that, but they could not work in the industry because they couldn't take direction. They couldn't let it go at some point. You have to realize that it's not your... It's not your baby. Not your baby. That's why at school, I, I can advise my students, um, you know, have fun, make it yours, own it, because you probably won't get this opportunity when you get out into the business. I mean, unless you're making your own film, you know, uh, really let your own personal, put, put your own personal spin on it. You know, bring something that is you. Put a little of you in that in that work. I mean, Frank and Ollie did it all the time. You know, they're old nine old men. Uh, they you really, you know, you try to do that and you, you try to put that in there. So, okay, two questions here. What's been your favorite film to work on, and what's been your favorite character to work on? Um, favorite for the experience was Meet the Robinsons. I know it's one of those films that uh, I, I just had a. It was just the director. Uh, um, Steve Anderson was just so open to it's just such a it was just a really good experience where it was just myself and him, you know, souping a character. It was a tremendous amount of work, but he the trust was there and it was so great, like, you know, you're you're part of the of this machine and I but I want your input and, and he I'd be mean, what about this? Like there was a sequence in that film where they uh I did this character Gaston, he has a he's one of the uncles. And he has he's he likes meatballs and he's obsessed with cannons and there's a sequence there where they're having this dinner and it's all it turns into this weird yeah, kind of kung fu yeah. film. And I remember going to him. It's like I, I grew up watching kung fu film. Like every Saturday they had kung fu theater in Canada and we'd watch that religiously. And I my brother and I would beat the crap out of each other. You know, <laughs> you know we were you know two young boys being idiots, but. Um, and, and I, I'm a huge fan, so I, when I got that character, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. So I remember suggesting to him, and Randy Hickok was the other supervisor there, uh, another 2D great. And, uh, um, you know, we're like, how about not doing, like, actually going full bore and blowing lip sync away? So we're actually animating, like, badly dubbed lip sync. And Steve was at first was like, I don't know about that, you know. But he's like, yeah, give it a shot. And, you know, after about two, three scenes in, it was, it was like, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it felt like an old karate film. And I kept, kept referring to my, my childhood, like all the experience that I had, you know, where you go, you, you bang your chest, like, oh, you were a bad guy. And you, you know, and then every dialogue, the trick I did, because everybody's like, how'd you do the lip sync for that? I go, I just said the sentence in reverse. That's all. So let's go over there. I'd be like, there we go over to, you know, and you just like, you know, um, but, um, and my favorite character, getting on to that one, um, Rhino was a lot of fun. Okay. He you know? seemed like it. Yeah, he was – he's just one of those things. He just animates himself. I, I enjoyed working on Peabody and Sherman with uh, with both of those characters, Peabody and Sherman. Sherman's very – I mean, there's nothing really out yet, but uh, very appealing, very cute. Um, I got to work a little bit on Kung Fu Panda too. And uh, Poe is another one that just stands out. There's a solid. I did some goose shots of the dad, and he's just fun. There's just some characters, they just animate themselves. 
Or other ones you're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I got my work cut out for me on this one. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, you know, Puss in Boots was like, yeah, we all know how Puss moves, you know, from the Shrek films. And, and they're pushing it more. But uh, I remember the um, the love interest, like Kitty Softpaws, they had a lot of tough time making her. A, she just didn't gel until, you know, later on in the film. I mean, they even changed her design and everything along the way. Uh, but like the the egg you know, uh, 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 Humpty, he animates himself. Again, uh, working with Anthony was great, Anthony Gray. Um, you know, he had a trash can, which was great. And <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this, but he has a trash can. He cut a hole out for the head. So when you go act, you put this trash can in with the arms sticking out, and you had the hole for your head, and you're acting it out. And you f- you look ridiculous, you feel ridiculous, but it was so much fun, and you really – because now you're limited in how you move, right? So you're shooting your reference, and I'm trying to throw this rock on the top, and I'm doing this kind of weird, almost cricket throw, you know? And it was it was it was a lot of fun. That's right? cool. It's great. It's great when it's bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome, Jason. Hey, I'm really looking forward to having you here as an instructor at iAnimate. One of the neat parts with iAnimate is we have uh, what we call a vault, and we have all of our lectures recorded that people can kind of check out. And kind of like, I guess, the Disney uh, archives or something like that. And so I'm looking forward to checking out some of your uh, your lectures that you'll be teaching. I'm really excited about this because uh, you work in the business for a while, you, you get a little – I mean, you'll hear people talk about it, You get a little burnout. You get a little, you know, because you know, you're just – it's like – it feels like this endless cycle of scenes in your inbox. <laughs> just constantly going. <laughs> Sometimes you just get – the grind can wear you down a little bit. And I'm really excited about just working with people that are generally so enthusiastic about animation. And I'm, I'm actually, you know, being selfish. I'm like, I want to suck some of that energy from the students. I really want to, you know, I'll give it up too, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I, I love the idea of working together to make everybody's work better and, you know, and just to learn something, something new. Sweet. Very cool. Well, we do definitely appreciate your time, Jason, and looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And, uh, and uh, thanks. And nice meeting you actually for the first time. Larry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be seeing more of each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Take care. Thank you. You too.